Welcome back to another episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. No Oklahoma football this weekend. The Sooners, I'm going to say it, on a very much-needed bye week to get everybody out of contact tracing and those who had tested negative to get them tested positive before the Sooners host Kansas State a week from this coming Saturday to open up Big 12 conference play. Even though we don't have a game to preview this weekend, we do have a couple of um, holdovers from last weekend's season opener against Missouri State that we want to jump into, as well as talking about the Big 12, the perception of the Big 12 not being as bad as maybe everyone thought at first. Rich gets to ask the questions for true-false. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big 10 and how nobody likes them anymore. And we got Oklahoma State, Baylor. They're playing their season openers this weekend. We'll give you our predictions on those as well. So, hey, Rich, let's jump in here and let's start about uh, picking back up from the Missouri State win. Oklahoma just completely owning the Missouri State Bears, which is what they should have done. Um, Spencer Rattler named player of the week, uh, newcomer of the week. Sorry, I'm going to make sure I say that right. Big 12 newcomer of the week, Steven Johnson, special teams player of the week. We had talked prior to that game in our preview whether Oklahoma – would produce any conference winners, you know, award winners that weekend. And, and we kind of had mixed feelings. I, I picked Gabe Burkich. Now Gabe Burkich didn't play. So his backup did and his backup gets the award. So did I technically, am I right on that then? I'm going to go with the big fat. No. I mean, it's the position. I said the position was going, I mean, but, but that's like saying, Hey, Trevor Lawrence is going to win the Heisman this year. And then his backup wins it. I mean, it's a Clemson quarterback, right? Yeah, it doesn't count. Okay, let, well, let's start with Spencer Rattler. Then I'm going to go ahead and give myself credit, even though you say no. No, it's not allowed. <laughs> um, well, let me okay, – since we're talking about Steven Johnson, um, I had never heard of this guy. Didn't know anything about him. Clearly, the announcers on television had never heard of him because it took his fourth kick for them to realize it wasn't Gabe Burkich. In, in the era of COVID, where you're – potentially looking at something that happens Saturday night where you've got players out either because they tested positive or they're out because someone, their roommate or someone they did one-on-one drills with or whatever they rode in the car with, they test positive. Do you have confidence now that Oklahoma could be all right place kicking wise without Gabe Burkich? Uh, after what we saw on Saturday, I'm going to have to go with a Yes at least momentarily. And the real reason for me is while you look at the performance from Saturday, from Steven Johnson, you look at the fact that he was perfect on the day. There were times where you weren't a hundred percent confident in his kicking abilities. Whereas with Gabe Burkich, I think he earned that right. He earned that confidence from the fan base. Steven Johnson's got a ways to go before he actually earns that because one game is not a large enough sample size to say, this guy is is worthy of that starting role or worthy of these preseason accolades that, that Gabe Burkich was starting to rack up, even though it's only his second year as a starter. Well, let me clarify what I'm saying. I'm not saying I would prefer to see Steven Johnson trot out on the field for a game-winning field goal over Gabe Burkich, but I am saying after seeing Steven Johnson play a full game and not miss a kick and then get tabbed as the Big 12 special, play, special teams player of the week I'm less nervous in that situation now than I would have been you know had I never seen him play 
yeah, I understand where you're coming from. And when we talk about these weekly awards, Baylor and Oklahoma State, I mean, welcome to the party because they're going to be taking home all of the awards this week. And more specifically, I'm feeling like Oklahoma State is going to get every single one. It's going to be a sweep here across the board for them. Well, that's that's possible. I, I'm we'll, we'll we'll jump into Big Twelve, um, the the very shallow Big Twelve weekend this weekend. Um, let's let's go to Spencer Rattler though, real fast before we do that. And newcomer of the week, you gotta you gotta feel um, you gotta feel like this is the first of many new. Uh, come, first of many awards that he's going to get in this category. I do think he was probably going to get the straight-up offensive player of the week once or twice, but I feel like he's going to be a regular on newcomer of the week for the Big 12. Yeah, when I look at Spencer Rattler, I look at this idea, not that he needed validation, but that does validate the talent for anyone who was not familiar with his name because of the string of quarterbacks that Oklahoma has had. There are some high expectations here, regardless of what star rating you had coming out of high school, of how highly touted you were coming out of high school, of the arm strength that you had coming out of high school, your mobility. None of that matters when you land at the University of Oklahoma because the ex are the bar's been set extremely high. So therefore the expectations are extremely high. Once again, you look at that weekly award and the op a guy who has routinely been going against this speed D and you look at how prepared, how poised Spencer Rattler is and was it, it's, it's really a hat tip to the potential of this defense and how well he was prepared. But it also says, look, as I've mentioned, Spencer Rattler has been validated and anyone who is not aware of his name has become aware of that. I don't think any coach would come on. And we didn't know who Spencer Rattler was. We weren't aware that he was most likely going to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, but some of the surrounding fan bases who are far out there, maybe not even a part of the big 12 are sitting there saying, okay, this, this kid, he, he's legit. Yeah. Speaking of, of, of legit Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai tied for the highest completion percentage amongst college football players or quarterbacks in power five conferences over the weekend. Um, you know, and again, Tanner Mordecai doesn't throw that interception in the end zone. He's got a higher percentage completion than Spencer Rattler. But if we're going to play it the what completed. if. Well, it was completed just for the, <laughs> the wrong guy. And if we're going to play the what if game, if Spencer Rattler doesn't have two drop touchdown passes, uh, he's probably the Big 12 offensive player of the week uh, instead of the newcomer of the week, right? Yeah, there's a really good chance for that. We'll never know. We can speak in what ifs all we want, but the the honest truth and, and my short answer to your question is we'll just never know. Well, when, here's what we do know. Winning football is back in Norman, Oklahoma. That means the winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means insane props epic bonuses and the craziest cross-sport wagers you'll find on the internet at my bookie winning season means watching the live sports and betting live all season long not only has oklahoma football returned to the gridiron but so has the nfl that means action packs saturdays and sundays and huge cash prizes after both you get in on the action right now you can use promo code 
overtime and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports that you already love and the games that you already bet on. Bet with the best this college football and NFL season for your chance to win big. Remember, the promo code is overtime and you can double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. And as we always do, we take it an extra step. Overtime is going all in just for the just for our listeners. We're giving away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit, all we need you to do is take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email that screenshot to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. $500 is going to be given away to some lucky listener at the end of the month of September. Let's talk about the Big 12 opening weekend, Rich. Um, it, it looked bad on Saturday. It looked bad on Sunday whenever we recorded our post-game podcast. But, you know, the more – we recorded this on Thursday night, and the more I've had time to think about it, I don't think it was that bad of an, of an opening weekend. I mean, you, you've got Kansas State losing. you got Iowa State losing. you got Kansas losing. you got Texas Tech winning a, a very close game to Houston Baptist. But let, let's talk through here. Iowa State was the big upset over the weekend. I would venture to say Iowa State was the only upset over the weekend. We spent an entire offseason – prognosticating positions and final rankings and getting everything set for the big 12 in any of your rankings. Did you have, or did you see Kansas as a contender for the big 12 champion? Kansas, Kansas, no, not once. And Kansas would have fallen towards the bottom of a majority of my rankings. Now, what I do need to point out when it comes to Kansas is it's not as if there aren't quality players on the roster we've seen throughout even just this past decade some players who have made some waves and have gone on into the NFL as draft picks but right now you're looking on the offensive side of the ball Puka Williams is a name that a lot of people have become familiar with whether it's his on the field presence or some of the off field antics that have occurred throughout his career most people are familiar with him and then of course Andrew Parchman is making a name for himself as a receiver at Kansas as well but outside of those two I would not have rated the team very highly defensively and as a unit offensively again individual players may be a little bit of a different story but football is more than just an individual sport and so Kansas routinely fell at the bottom of the rankings for me Okay, so in any of your preseason position rankings or in your power rankings, did you have Kansas State as a Big 12 championship contender? I did, I did not. Texas Bro, Tech? Texas Tech was where you and I disagreed quite a bit, I felt. But I didn't have them as a contender. I, I had them higher than you did, but I didn't have them as a right, contender. Right, I was saying I felt like they deserved to be towards the bottom of the pack until they proved that they had a defense that was capable of stopping – any kind of an offense this past Saturday proved to me that that was not the case and that they deservedly so were at the bottom of the heap. So what this comes down to is one team that was, that was labeled as a contender for the conference championship. And there's, by the way, they're still not eliminated as a contender with one loss, but one team that was labeled as a contender for the conference championship lost a season opener 
and and we're going to act like the Big 12 is burning. I mean, Twitter, Facebook, social media platforms were on fire with people talking about Oklahoma's got to get out of the Big 12 if we ever want to make it back to the college football playoff. Like that's that's not that that's not even close to what's being at stake here. You got one team that got upset. You got a, you got two teams that are supposed to be at the bottom of the Big 12 that lost. They did exactly what they're supposed to do. And then you got one team that we no one picked as being a contender that that won by the skin of their teeth. That's a victory for the Big 12. The Big 12, the Big 12 had a mediocre opening, but it's still going to be a top-heavy conference. The contenders that played, the contenders have always been Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. Clearly, we didn't see Oklahoma State. We'll see them this Saturday. Oklahoma dominated. Texas dominated. Iowa State lost. So maybe, maybe instead of having four contenders, you have three. But you're going to have three really good contenders, in my opinion. I've got question marks about Oklahoma's offensive line. But beyond that, I think they're going to be a contender. So I don't, I don't understand where this criticism is that the Big 12 is – is trash all of a sudden. Are, are we forgetting that for the last five years, the Big 12 champions have been in the college football playoff, including three in a row? And we're expecting that to change this year. We'll talk about the Big 10 here in just a little bit, but with the Pac-12 being out and with the Big 10 potentially still being out, we're going to pretend like that's going to change, like a one loss or an undefeated Big 12 champions is not going to get in. You think they're, they're going to take – the Sun Belt Conference of Coastal Carolina wins the Sun Belt. Do they get in over a one-loss Big 12 team because they beat Kansas? I don't think so. I think this is a lot of overreaction, a lot of panic, and a lot of, unfortunately, what has become synonymous with Big 12 football is you got to get out of the conference because it's a terrible conference and you can't make the playoff in this conference. You know what? If Oklahoma doesn't make the college football playoff in 2020, it's because Oklahoma's not a college football playoff worthy team. It's because they lost one or two games during the season and that had nothing to do with the conference. That had everything to do with Oklahoma not being playoff worthy. All right, I'm done. Rant over. Your turn. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'm going to attack on – here to the end of your argument, Matt, is there have been several occasions where teams have lined up across from one another and in a season opener and one team that was expected to win has lost and immediately that team was written basically out of the season, whether that was in the conference race or whether that was in the national title picture. What we've seen, maybe it wasn't a similar quality of opponent to who Iowa State played on, on Saturday, but the reality of this situation is that one loss during the season opener just leaves a lot of room for improvement and for adjustment to happen. It's all about how you rebound at this point in the game because there's so much season left to be played. The unthinkable could happen across the nation. We could see, especially in this season, we could see some surprise losses coming from heavy favor in their respective conferences or even in the national scene. Matt, you and I had a conversation off, uh, off record here about the potential of a positive um, COVID test, what that does to the, 
surrounded yourself with due to contact tracing and not knowing, especially for that two week period, not knowing if you're going to step back onto the field because if you've tested positive and had interactions with someone, now all those that you've had interactions with are going to sit out as well. It's those through that contact tracing that stand to lose the most. What happens when it is a key player on one of the best teams in the country? That could be extremely detrimental. So Iowa State losing, uh, yes, it was a surprise. I don't think anybody expected that. Iowa State only putting up 14 points on offense. Again, a surprise. I don't think anyone expected that with Brock Purdy and what they had returning on that offense. But the reality of the situation is, is it's not going to be the only surprise loss of this season. No, you're right. And, and Oklahoma fans, some of them, not all of them, but some Oklahoma fans acting like going to Ames here in a couple of weeks is going to be a cakewalk. You need to be prepared because <laughs> Iowa State, their backs are against the wall. I mean, that's just the way it is. And there's still everything that they want to accomplish um, as far as Big 12 championship-wise. It's still very much on the table. But they've had their wake-up call. And by the way, Oklahoma goes to Ames the week before they play Texas and Dallas. So you have that possibility of the of the overlook. It's also the first time that they're going to play away from Norman. Not that the, the home field advantage is such a great thing this year. It's still a thing, but it's not a great thing. But they're, they're playing away from Norman, which means new, you know, new routines, a hotel instead of your dorm, all, all this stuff. Oklahoma fans, because Iowa State lost to Louisiana, Oklahoma fans, some of them, are expecting just to roll into Ames and beat them like Oklahoma beat Missouri State. And that, I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. It's especially not going to happen considering who the head coach is there. You've mentioned this being a wake-up call for Iowa State, but we know that anytime Oklahoma rolls into town, especially in the Big 12, one thing that you can count on is that the team lined up across from you is going to give you your best shot. Oklahoma, obviously the favorite to win the Big 12 Conference, once again, and deservedly so given the track record that they have over the past five years going for that sixth, sixth consecutive conference title that that anytime you have that kind of success for that sustained period of time everybody who's anybody is out to get you and anyone who wants to make a name for themselves knows that they must go through you so Oklahoma is going to have a major target painted on their back right. and I don't care if it's Kansas I don't care if it's Iowa State Texas or Oklahoma State anytime Oklahoma takes the field they're going to get that team's best shot yeah, and the, the thing about playing with that target on your back is, is not only is it a, a bit cumbersome or burdensome, like for example, Kansas State a week from Saturday, be, because the Wildcats beat Oklahoma in Manhattan last season, it doesn't make that target smaller. It makes that target bigger. And Kansas State lost at home to start their season this year, so they're coming in even more chippy and even more edgy than what they were before. So – yeah, that, I don't think you can ever overlook the, the burden of playing with that target on your back. Okay, so we've got uh, – I, I do want to talk about the Big Ten. Um, this is obviously going to be a shorter uh, episode of the Sooner Nation podcast with no sports, no game to cover this weekend for the Sooners. But we do get to do true or false, and Rich is the guy who's going to be asking those questions and then I do want to talk about the Big Ten just a little bit. I got some thoughts on that, and I would love to hear your opinions as well as what's going to happen this weekend on the gridiron with Oklahoma State 
and Baylor kicking off their seasons. So true or false coming up next, Rich is asking the questions. Well, welcome back, Matt. We are going to put you in the hot seat. As you know, you have labeled this as one of the most uncomfortable moments of our podcast series for you. Yet here we are doing it weekly, doing it consistently. Yeah, but hey, I want to say something. Um, I feel like I'm getting shafted here because there's no game on Saturday. I got to ask you true or false questions and specifically towards the game. And now you get to ask me on a bye week, but I'm whatever. I do get to ask you on a bye week, but I will preface this as I have done previously with you and letting you know, a lot of these questions will stem from what we saw on Saturday. But now that we've had some time to digest the game, put together some thoughts, we now have a different set of questions, a different outlook. And so I really want to tap into that. But I, I wanted to ask this, this first true or false or make this first true or false statement based upon the conversation that we had to start this entire podcast. Because when we're looking at the Big 12, granted, I know there are teams that have yet to take the field for the very first time. So we are not 100% certain what we have from top to bottom in the conference. There was the surprise that we've already talked about pretty favorably at this point in Iowa State losing their home opener. But needless to say, true or false, the Big 12 is worse than we initially thought as a league. I feel like I've already covered that, and that's mm -hmm. going to be false. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that the Big 12 is worse than we – no one had Iowa State going undefeated. No one had Kansas State as a, as a title contender. No one had Kansas as a title contender. No one had Texas Tech as a title contender. I think as long as Oklahoma State, Texas, and Oklahoma all look strong, then the Big 12 is going to look strong. Now, now Iowa State, again, they were, the, they were the team that people thought, well, they could come up and they could, they could beat a Texas. They could beat an Oklahoma in, in Ames. They could, if, they could do the right things to get their way to Arlington, Texas, and they still can. There's nothing that happened on Saturday that eliminates Iowa State from doing that. Um, but I think everyone across the board also felt that if Iowa State won the Big 12 championship, at that point, the Big 12 would be eliminated from the college football playoff because you're probably looking at a two or three loss Big 12 champion. So I'm, I'm going to say it's false. I don't think the Big 12 at this point is weaker than what we thought it was going to be. Well, looking at the future and shifting gears more specifically towards the Oklahoma Sooners, we do find ourselves in this very unique situation. This incoming class, as well as the outgoing class for uh, ease here, let me just say for any football player in the country this year, playing or not, it is a very unique situation. I look at the performances of some of the freshmen, some of the true freshmen that stepped onto the field for Oklahoma, and all of a sudden these, this wave of emotions, this wave of excitement about what the future potentially holds, especially in knowing what and what's coming in, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, but there's a lot of excitement, I believe, that's starting to surround that program, surround the Oklahoma's looks like Oklahoma may finally within the next five years get over the hurdle that they have been unable to conquer which is that college football playoff semifinal this is my my true or false statement as we look towards the future and look at this unique situation that Lincoln Riley is navigating and has navigated well through this point of the season Oklahoma true or false Oklahoma will not redshirt any freshman this season 
No, I think that's true. And again, I, I got to give my son Caleb a shout out for this because he's the one who actually said this to me. What's the point in redshirting anybody this season when it's a do-over? I mean, Seth McGowan, this time next year, still going to be a true freshman. Spencer Rattler, this time next year, still going to be a redshirt freshman. Marvin Mims, still a true freshman. What's the point in redshirting them when it's just a do-over season? You, you get it all over again. So, no, I, I don't think anybody gets redshirted this year because there's no point in doing it. There's no point in limiting the number of games, especially when you're really thin at, at running back. So let Seth McGowan grow up this year. Give him as much work as, he, as you can. And then you get him as a true freshman again in 2021, which should scare the crap out of a bunch of Big 12 defensive coordinators. <laughs> you get him as a true freshman again, even though he's played 10, 10 games as a college athlete. Welcome to 2020. Yeah, welcome to, so, welcome to the era of COVID. Yep, exactly. Like I said, very unique situations. Continuing to focus on the game Saturday, Matt, and that performance that you've mentioned from Seth McGowan, we have labeled him as our offensive player not giving that to Spencer Rattler being the most obvious choice, but we had labeled Seth McGowan as our, our offensive player of the, of the game for Oklahoma. The mm-hmm. biggest surprise, this is true or false. The biggest surprise though, was the performance of Mikey Henderson at the H back position. Uh, okay. I'm going to say false because I didn't expect to see Marvin Mims have the game he had. When you, when you look, and I thought I went with him instead of McGowan, but maybe I went with McGowan and, and Mims. Maybe we both went with tip, Mims. Tipping my hat to him. But I, I don't, um, I didn't expect Mims to have the role he played in the punt return and look as good as he did as far as just the, the stride, the, the way he caught it, just the, the smoothness of it. Now, again, it, level of competition all, all held into account. He, he fielded the punt with his eyes downfield, knew where to take his first two steps and knew where to explode. I didn't expect that from a true freshman. The way he caught the ball, um, uh, the way he ran his routes. uh, Mikey Henderson is a a fun story, but I think he takes a backseat to me, surprise-wise, with Mims. And, And here's the reason why. I think in three weeks, or three games from now when Oklahoma's battling Texas in the Cotton Bowl, I didn't expect Mikey Henderson to play much of a role in Oklahoma's success there. I expect Marvin Mims to play more of a role now after seeing him on Saturday. We talked about this receiving core. We talked about Charleston Rambo. We talked about Theo Weiss. We, 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 you know, we talked about all these guys. And then we said, yeah, you got the transfers. And then maybe Marvin Mims, if he's able to be up to speed. Well, I think he showed he's up to speed, and that's a pleasant <laughs> surprise. Not, not only is he up to speed, but he showed off the physical traits that you're looking for as a receiver, especially given the fact that he's so young. I turned back to that, that excitement level. We did get to see these freshmen. We did get to see whether they were red shirt or true freshmen. We did get to see the impact that they could have, not just this season, but for future seasons as well. I'm going to flip sides on the, of the ball here on you, Matt, and look at the defense. I don't know if you happen to catch any of the press conference that took place today, but there were several players. Uh, I was going to say defender, but there were several players 
that stepped up to the podium. And one of the things that leaked out of one of their mouths was this number. It was the number 26. And it was in reference to the number of turnovers that the defense is expected to have this year. I get in a condensed season, that may seem like quite a bit. So the true or false question for you is 26 turnovers in a 10-game season. I get if you go into the playoffs, it's going to be a little more than 10 games. But just use 10 for, for the sake of reasoning here. 26 turnovers in 10 games, true or false, is a realistic expectation for this defense. Yeah, and I think it's down from last year. Didn't they want three a game last year, or was it two a game last year? I cannot remember. So, I mean, if you think about 26 in a 10-game season, you're going to go 11 games with the conference championship, 12 games with either a bowl win or a bowl game or a college football playoff semifinal, maybe 13 games if you go into the, the national championship. So that's, that's two a game. Um, so that's – I, yes, I, I think it's attainable. You you get one against a team that really shouldn't have been passing the ball as much as they did. Um, so whether they get there or not, I think is the, the question you're asking me. And I don't know if I can answer that with a yes. I think it's attainable, <laughs> but what we haven't seen from this defense is how, how much of a ball hawk is, is Buki going to be Bradley, Brad, Bradley, Brendan Radley-Hiles? Yes, Brendan Radley-Hiles. Um, you know, he, he's supposed to be developed to the, the best he's been at Oklahoma, which is only natural to expect in his third season. But we didn't really get to see how they're going to use him last Saturday night because of the level of competition. And I don't know if we're going to get to see a lot of him this coming Saturday because I think Kansas State's going to rely, not this coming Saturday, their next game. Kansas State's going to rely heavily on, on the running game because they can't protect their quarterback. You know, Skylar Thompson, we saw that last weekend. You know, that, that offensive line is every bit as bad as we thought it was going to be. So I think they're going to have to do some, some creative things with their running game. And so I, I just – what we're going to need to see is some strip fumbles. We're going to need to see a guy like Buki be the ball hawk when he doesn't have to come up and run support on the obvious passing down. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see why an average of two – turnovers per game is is unattainable because they're deeper this year and they're another year into Grinch's uh plan so yeah I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's true I think that's attainable I am going to throw out one final question one final true or false statement these are the ones that I know you hate the ones that make you nervous because it is that oddball it's the off the wall true or false statement that I don't know anyone is expecting when I was scrolling through Twitter, I happened to come across a advertisement, if you will, for the University of Oklahoma and the docu-series they're putting out. Mm -hmm. Do you know the name of this docu-series? Have you seen it? I've seen it. I saw it yesterday. Um, well, it airs today. Right. 917 is the premiere uh, of the 10 series docu-series called the standard the standard i was i want to standard. say expectations but i knew that was wrong mm -hmm. the standard yes man so matt this is more so a question than it is a true or false statement we're looking at a ncaa ruling that says there will be no official visits for recruits mm -hmm. through december 31st right oklahoma had this on the schedule they had this on the books 
I'll turn it into a true or false question, but does something like the standard true or false, it helps Oklahoma in recruiting? True. That's the only reason they're doing it. I mean, like Joe Fan is going to enjoy this. Um, I, I saw the advertisement that you're talking about. Uh, I saw that yesterday and it's going to be fun, but you and I, and like I said, the fan down the street, that's not the intended target audience for this. It's for recruits. That's why it's called the standard. There's, there's one standard at the university of Oklahoma and this 10 series docu-series, 10 episode docu-series is, it's all about how they live up to that standard. And it's about the expectations from the coaching staff to the fans, to the, to the teammates. There's only one standard. There's only one Oklahoma. And this is a 10 episode recruiting tool is what it is. <laughs> and kudos, look, go back to the virtual visits. The virtual mm -hmm. tours, Oklahoma was a trendsetter with that, right? They Well, Matt, we can even go one step back further than that and look at the individual recruit branding that Oklahoma did right, when, they, right. when they announced the letter of intent coming mm -hmm. in. Yeah, absolutely. And and then they, they did the, the virtual visits, and it was catered to the, the uh, prospect. It's not some canned type thing. Mm -hmm. Um you know, Oklahoma, they are setting the tone. There's pun intended. They're setting the standard for recruiting through a, what's been a dark <laughs> age. And, and here's what I think you're going to see happen, Rich, because they're extending this dead period through the end of December, you're going to see a bunch of kids, I think, start making their, their commitments public. Um, guys like Bryce Foster, who I think has decided where he wants to go, but he wanted to make visits throughout the fall. Samar Wheaton, the same. He's decided where he wanted to go, but he wanted to make visits throughout the fall. I think you're going to see that happen now. Um, they're just going to make their commitments because they can't make official visits. And so. Right. And that December 31st date is after the early signing. Exactly. Period. Right. Exactly what I'm saying. And so kudos to, to Oklahoma for figuring this out. Kudos for being ahead of everybody. And again, pun intended, kudos for setting the standard when it comes to recruiting through the COVID crisis. Okay, so the Big Ten decides it's going to jump in and play football after all. I don't know what to say other than nobody really liked the Big Ten before now and what they're doing doesn't help the perception that they have as a conference that really thinks they're better than everybody else and a conference that honestly thinks they're better than what they are i i look at the big 10 they they try not to be crude here but they pooped the bed with this deal right they made a decision a rash decision when they didn't need to, they didn't have to be the first to jump out and cancel, but because of what they think of themselves, they thought we're going to cancel. The PAC 12 does everything we tell them to do. They'll cancel. And then the ACC, the SEC and the big 12 will all cancel. Well, guess what happened? PAC 12 did what everybody thought they were going to do. They followed the big tens lead, but the ACC, the big 12, the SEC, they're like, no, we don't need you. We can make this work. And then the Big Ten saw dollar signs. That's all it was, was dollar signs. There is nothing now that is safer 
than it was back in August. Yeah, you got rapid testing. Okay, that doesn't make you safer. You can still get COVID by playing football with rapid testing. You know what? Camp, campus parties, they still happen. The only thing rapid testing does is tell you you got the virus quicker than anything else. This is all about dollar <laughs> signs. The Big Ten saw two weeks of college football, and they saw money being exchanged. They saw Missouri State get paid $600,000 to come get beat up in Norman. They saw the University of Oklahoma rake in millions of dollars through a pay-per-view event and fans in the stands. And they're thinking, hmm, we're going to have to lay people off. We're not going to be able to play softball in the spring. We're going to have problems building the basketball team. How can we make money? Oh, yeah, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC are doing it by playing football. Maybe we should do that. Hmm, it's safer now because we have rapid testing. Okay, don't buy that. The Big Ten, they've got egg on their face because they made a decision that was a terrible decision based off of what I believe was a political statement. And now they have to come back and save face by saying, oh, we're safer now. No, you're not. You're just poorer now. That's all you are. You're poorer and you need money. Can we just be honest for once on this? I don't know, Matt. Can we? When I, <laughs> when I look at the Big Ten, um, I could care less if they're playing football or if they're not. What I'm more interested in is that when the Big Ten was considering canceling, there were a group of people who met to discuss that decision. And I know that it was not a unanimous decision, regardless of what may have been, been made public about that decision. There were schools that were in disagreement as to the fact that they canceled the season. There was a giant rift, and this was something that became well-known almost immediately. There was a giant rift between Nebraska mm -hmm. and the Big, the Big Ten. I'm not saying any other school hit the Nebraska level <laughs> of defiance with the Big Ten for a short stint before being reined back in. But my, my curiosity is peaked because I want to know when we come out of this season, when we come out of this current pandemic, when we come out of this health crisis, I don't know that it's labeled as a pandemic anymore, but when we come out of this health crisis, what's the Big Ten going to look like? How is that going to shift? And is the Big 12 that conference that stands to benefit the most? Because right now, it does look like that's the case. I know there have been several conversations, not that I've been a part of them personally, but I know that there have been several conversations that whether I've overheard or have very briefly heard someone exchange in an attempt to get me to engage in conversation about possibly dumping West Virginia and picking up some teams that are regionally closer, like in Arkansas and guess who a Nebraska once again. Yeah. I don't think dumping West Virginia is, is really the proper phrase is more. It's so not, but we're not politically correct here. Back, you know, giving them, bringing them, return them for an, a refund or exchanging them is what we're doing with West Virginia. Because the Big 12 dropped the ball. The Big 12 was, was supposed to pick up West Virginia and then like a Cincinnati or a Louisville or some sort of bridge there. And, and the conference never did. Um, 
but I can I can very much see a scenario what you're talking about. I think Arkansas would bolt the SEC. I think Nebraska has had buyer's remorse. They they made a decision based off of academics and really didn't consider the impact it would have on athletics. And then they're realizing, oh wait, athletics is where money comes from. Um, so how do we do that? How do we get money back? Oh yeah, well we gotta we gotta get back to where we were where people watched us on television. No one's watching Nebraska in the Big Ten. You know, Nebraska would play Oklahoma, and you got everyone watching in the Big 12. Right. Nebraska would play Texas. Everyone's watching in the Big 12. No one cares in the Big 10 if Nebraska's playing Ohio State. Well, Nebraska- <laughs> no, one, no one cares if Nebraska's playing Purdue. No one watches Nebraska. And Nebraska had those established – not just relationship, but uh, rivalries with right. other programs in the Big 12. You look at when when the Big 12 actually split into a North and South division, who was the odds-on favorite to win the North every year? It was right. Nebraska. You look at the run well, that Kansas they had. Well, Kansas State had a good run in there too, though. Let's not forget Bill they, Snyder. They did, but on a national scale, I'm looking back late 90s, early 2000s was all Nebraska and now those people (laughs) that grew up in that era those are adults they're the ones that are spending money on these games it's not the kids that are growing up now and looking for that new rivalry or relationship that they can invest into you don't get as you've mentioned Oklahoma and Nebraska on the field anymore it it just doesn't happen now right could it happen? Yes, but in that non-conference scheduling is the only opportunity for it. It's not an annual thing. And if they didn't meet in the regular schedule, you knew that there was a po- probability, not possibility, but probability that Oklahoma or Texas and Nebraska were going to meet in the conference championship. That's all been removed. So I, I get it. I see how it's enticing. And those kids who were growing up in the 90s and just latching on to football, those were the memories that they hold on to. Yeah, and I tell you who would be against Nebraska coming back to the Big 12, and that's Oklahoma State, because they have enjoyed the limelight as Oklahoma's second rival, and you jump Nebraska back in this conference, and and Oklahoma State falls back to number three behind Texas, Nebraska, you know, and so they're they're probably not going to be big fans of it, but I I would love to take Nebraska back. I wouldn't take Texas A&M back. I would take Missouri back, and I think that might be a possibility as well. But um, let's jump – let me talk just another thing about the Big Ten um, because, again, you you, you see the panic button pushed when people say, oh, no, the Big Ten's in. That means the Big 12's doomed. I I, I don't get it. I I really don't get it because the Big 12 champion was going to be in a one-loss, worst-case scenario, Big 12 champion was going to be in before the Big Ten was out. Um, so the Big 12 champion is still in, and I'm not convinced that the Big 12 is going to Big 10 is going to make it to the end of the race. Have Have you seen the stipulations on this, Rich? I I haven't, but okay, again, so, when we when we look at that season, I I just don't know how you factor in eight games versus a ten game schedule. Well, but here's the thing: it's eight consecutive. So think about what we're seeing this weekend for for the Big 12. The Big 12 was smart. This is, this is the difference between rushing to a decision and planning out. The Big 10 rushed. They rushed to cancel, and then they panicked to bring it back, right? But the Big 12 planned it out. So they had their opening weekend, and then they built in a bye week for adjustments, right? And so we're seeing Oklahoma State and Baylor having needed to make adjustments. So Oklahoma State. They pushed back their play in Tulsa this Saturday. 
Baylor had to cancel, and now they picked up Houston to play this Saturday. So that has happened because of a built-in bye week. But even with the built-in bye week, TCU hasn't played their first game. They don't get their plus one. They get to jump right into conference play now. They didn't get to reschedule even with a built-in bye week. Here's why that's important. Because the Big Ten has to play eight consecutive weeks. There's no margin for error. You can't reschedule a game. If a game doesn't get played in the Big Ten, then it doesn't get played. It doesn't get, it's not postponed. It's not rescheduled. It is canceled. And you're talking about already eight versus 10. Well, guess what? Sometimes life isn't fair, okay? Ohio State's good. If Ohio State goes 8-0 and then 9-0 winning the conference championship, put them in the playoff. They're worthy of it. But I don't know that Ohio State's going to get to play eight conference games because in the Big 12, you have to have 53 players, all right? That's the minimum. If you don't have 53 players, you can't play your game. Do you know what the margin is in the Big Ten? If five, no, not if at all. Five percent, five percent of your team is with COVID, then you can't play. So we're talking about what 83 man rosters. So you're telling me five players get COVID? Well, what do you, you can't mean play? 80, 83 man rosters? Aren't, um, aren't there only 85 scholarships? Well, yeah, but I'm, I, I, you're going to have 83 on a traveling team, most likely. Mm -hmm. So, so let's say, let's say you, like, we can even bump it up to 90 if we want to. So eight players get COVID. So somewhere between five to 10 people on your team get COVID. You can't play. How many players did Oklahoma have out Saturday? About 20. Tw yes. was an estimation. Right. So, but, but I think we're all agreed more than five, more than mm -hmm. 10, because of contact tracing and COVID, they couldn't play. And yeah, the well, big, I, could, I could name four right off the top of my head. The, the big thing is going to be contact <laughs> tracing, right? That's going to be the big thing. Because if, if your roommate gets sick, you're out, mm -hmm. right? And so you have a 5% margin on your team, 5% between your coaching staff and your players. If they're, if they're out, you're not playing. And if you're playing, if, if you're not playing, that game is canceled. But it goes beyond that. It, it's 5% it's for your team, but it's 7.5% amongst the population of your state. The, the local rate, 7.5%. So what that means, the way I understand it is if, and if it breaks out in Detroit and there's, it's going crazy in Detroit, then Michigan's not playing. If Cleveland has a, has a big outbreak, Ohio State's not playing. So it's not just the 5% on your team. It's 7.5% of, of the local rate, meaning your state. I don't see – and you got to do all this in eight weeks with no buys, no reschedules. I don't, I'm not confident that this is going to happen for the Big Ten based off of the stipulations they've put in place as it is. So all these people worried about the Big Ten, well, let's say Ohio State makes it through and they get in. Great. They deserve it. I think there's a less chance that Ohio State makes it all the way through because I don't know that the Big, Twins, the Big, the Big Ten is going to make it all the way through. So that's, <laughs> that's my 10 cents on that. I just want to know what Big Twin you're talking about. The was big the, twin, the that left would, one or that, the right one? Hey, that would be your brother. But <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, hey, who is the big twin? You or him? Um, in terms of size wise, that's why I'm, you'd be the big twin. 
I'm taller, definitely taller than my brother, but he, he's the Who's older. Wider? Who's wider? I don't know anymore, man. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this coming Saturday. Wrap it up here. Um, Oklahoma State plays Tulsa and then Baylor and Houston. Let's start in-state, Oklahoma State, Tulsa. I do have concerns over the offensive line. 22 mm-hmm. and a half is the spread on this game. I do expect Oklahoma State to cover this spread. And it's not because I'm confident in their offensive line, but Tulsa asked this game to be pushed back because they just hadn't had time to practice. And right. you haven't had time to practice, and now you've got to try to stop Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace. I, I think Oklahoma State scores for days here. Yeah, and let's, let's not forget Spencer Sanders on the ground and his capability, yeah. his mobility. He was the second leading rusher for Oklahoma State last year behind Chuba Hubbard. Needless to say, I'm looking at the exact same factors that you're looking at, and then I'm combining it with the fact that Tulsa has three three returning starting defenders. Uh-huh. Is, is that the proper way yeah, to label that? I understand what you're saying. No practice, three returning starters. That's not going to bode well for one of many people are considering – not not just on the offensive side of the ball, but defensive side of the ball as well for Oklahoma State, one of the most experienced groups in the country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Minus I, that offensive line. Well, and that's going to be the thing. If they can get pressure, mm-hmm. um, but still, I, I think even with that, I, I think Oklahoma State would cover this. Um, I, hate I, that, I hate that both of these games are on at the same time. Oklahoma State plays on ESPN. Baylor-Houston is going to be the better of the two games, and they're on Fox, both 11 a.m. kickoffs. I Look, if you, if you thought last weekend was dicey for the Big 12, get ready because 50% of the teams playing this weekend could lose because you've been higher on Baylor than I have, Rich, but this is a team that has nothing on defense. And Dana Holgerson in year two – I think the Cougars are going to score points. I don't know that Baylor can match them stride for stride. I, I look. I, this is a coin toss to me. I, I would. Baylor's a four-point favorite. There's zero chance I would put money on this game because Baylor could win by ten, or they could lose by thirty. <laughs> Which is very true. I look at these two teams, and I think there is a lot to prove. You look at how the season played out for Houston last year. Look at Baylor losing Matt Rule as their head coach, wondering if that same level of physicality is going to be present. Because when Baylor stepped on the field, it was really that defense that was carrying them, why the offense was just holding serve more often than not. The number of turnovers that were created provided numerous opportunities for Baylor to win games that they maybe weren't expected to win or maybe even weren't expected to be competitive in. There's some turnover there. We've already mentioned the question marks surrounding the physicality, but I'm looking at at a Baylor team, like I said, who I think still has that instilled to them. I do expect this to be a closer game than I want it to be for Baylor, but four points seems like a very narrow, narrow margin that I think Baylor could cover. Well, we'll find out Saturday morning at 11. Again, Oklahoma State Tulsa is on ESPN, Baylor, and Houston on Fox. I do believe the better the two games are going to be Baylor-Houston, but I'll be watching more of the Oklahoma State game just because of the in-state rivalry. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, We'll be back a week from today talking about Oklahoma and Kansas State, getting a preview of another game, the second game of the season 
for the Sooners. You can find our content online, heartland-sports.com. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Make sure you subscribe to the Sooner Nation podcast anywhere that podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, all that stuff. We're there. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner. Thank you.